following audio is from the Anglican Church, Caroline Springs. For more information about the church, go to taccs.org.au. David said, my name is Jimmy. So I'm the Director of Youth Ministry here at Caroline Springs Anglican. And I'm really excited to be bringing this word today, this message. I feel God's um, really put something on my heart today. Um, so, so I'm just going to get into it. Um, to be honest, it's going to be a bit brutal. But what I want to do is just break down this, this shallow community that we've, we've constructed and, and point to something better. So that's what we're going to do today, right? Um, so if, if you're sitting here and you're like, man, he's just laying it on, there's something coming. All right? There's something better coming. Okay? Um, so throughout the sermon, um, something that we do, we've done uh, last week, we're going to continue to do it for this month, is we're going to have live question and answer running throughout the sermon. Um, so if you look to the screen now, um, there'll be, yeah, there'll be a, a number come up and, and also a Twitter hashtag, right? So if I say something, if I say anything and you've got a question, send it to the number. Send it, send it um, a tweet using that hashtag. Um, if you've got a question about friendship, a question about community, send it there, right? Um, I'm going to do my best to respond to it right, uh, right on the spot if it's relevant, but if it requires something longer, um, we're going to have a bit of question and answer after the sermon. We're going, to, we're going to pray and then we'll have some question and answer and get into something deeper and more specific, okay? Um, right. So loneliness. I have, at the moment, 821 friends on Facebook. Does anyone have more than that? Sarah? Probably. Does anyone have more than 821? No. Excellent. So that means I win, right? I win friendship. At my 21st, I had 184 people. It's a lot of people. We had a very small house. That's a lie, actually. We had a big house, but 184 people. Right now in my life, there are three people who I'd be comfortable sharing the deepest parts of myself. So how does it scale down so much? How does it scale down from 821 people who I'm connected to with to three people that I'm in community with? Like, where the, why has that happened? And, and I don't think I'm alone in this, right? I don't think I'm alone in this. We live in a society that's been never more connected. I've never known more things about more people, yet known people less. Known the, the deepest parts of them. Known who they are less. You all right? Testing? It's coming through? Testing? It's come through? Cool. Um, Sorry about that. You only have to look at our advertisements. Look at our advertisements right now to see the power of friendship. Okay, if people want to sell you anything, if they, want, they want to sell you anything, they sell it with friendship, right? It's it's not buy a coke because you'll like this you'll like this delicious beverage. It's buy this coke because if you buy this coke, then you have lots of friends and have parties, and that hot girl will like you. And if you buy those jeans, you'll be surrounded by friends. And if you you like this popular music, right? If you like this popular music that everyone else likes, then they will like you as well. Friendship. That's what that's what's ads are all on about at the moment. Just check it. As soon, when you go home, there's not an ad featuring an individual anymore. None. 
And, and Christianity is no different, right? If you've been, I feel like it's, it's hitting it or something. Is that better? I'll take off my jacket. Sorry, guys. Christianity is no different, okay? If you've come to this church, you'll, you'll hear some of these phrases, some of this language that we use. We want to do life together. We want to have growth groups, community groups. We want to um, live life on mission. We want to do stuff together. We want to grow together. We want to confess sins to each other. We want to live with each other, right? So none of this is surprising, this friendship. Like no one's coming here this morning and being like, Christians want to be friends with me? What the hell is that? Right? That's, no one's having that experience. So I'm not coming here today to say that friendship is needed or that friendship is vital because that message has been done to death. Okay? I'm not saying that friendship is vital because I think we know that. Culture is telling us that we need to have friends. Christianity is telling us that we need to have friends. We need to be surrounded by community. So my question this morning isn't, do we need friendship? It isn't, do we need to be surrounded by community? The question that I want to ask this morning is, why do so many of us, in a world where we're so connected, why do so many of us feel disconnected and alone? Right? So what, what I want to do is... You, you, you can grab the person next to you. You can grab them physically if you want. Um, give them a hug. Tell them they look beautiful. People need to be told they're beautiful, right? First things, tell them that they look beautiful. Then ask them this question. Take three minutes. We're going to take three minutes and just discuss it. Why do so many of us feel disconnected and alone? Go. <laughs> what, what were some of the things that came up? Does anyone just, just shout it out? Like, no hands up, just shout it out. It's right there. I'll go back. Um, sorry, just go back one slide. It's what, why do so many of us feel disconnected and alone? It's hard to trust. Anything else? We're selfish. Pressures of time. Anyone else? Too lazy? What about you, Gino? What do you think? Time poor? What else? Is there anything else? Yeah. It's good. I agree. Um, So I put this question up on Facebook earlier this week, and here's some of the responses that we got, right? People have become a commodity to consume and collect rather than a human to relate to. We confuse between connecting and belonging in community. Another person said we confuse knowing about someone with knowing them. Someone else says that um, we don't like being vulnerable. We don't like being honest. We actually would rather this shallow friendship because to actually say I need help means being vulnerable, and we hate that. Um, another person said social media, Facebook, has, has helped us create this shallow friendship, this shallow relationships. They're just some of the responses, though, and I think they're all pretty good. I think they're fairly spot on the money, okay? But that's what we're going to deal with today. Why is relationship 
and community so damn hard? Why is it so hard? I mean, I want friends, right? I've got 820 people that I'm connected to on Facebook, but why do I only have three people that I can be real with? So let's, let's get into it. What, what, what we do here is um, we don't read big chunks and then explain it all in one go. What I'm going to do is read and then talk. Read and talk. I'm going to break it up into smaller verses to really get at it. Okay? So what we're, what we're reading from today is Ecclesiastes 4. Um, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but Ecclesiastes 4, 4 verse 4 to verse 12. That's what we're going to go through today. So I'm going to read it and then get into it, okay? So this is, this is Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes. This is what he says. I saw that all toil and all skill in work came from a man's envy of his neighbor. This is vanity and a striving after the wind. The fool follows his hand and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, neither son or brother, yet there is no end to his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their toil. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Thanks be to God. So what what is Solomon saying? What he's leading with, the big overarching theme is that We don't have community, we don't have friendship because we're filled with envy. That's his big opening sucker punch, coming straight for your jaw. We're filled with envy and it shatters our community. Envy is our biggest community killer, right? The root cause of all loneliness, of all um, shattered communities, of broken friendships is being filled with envy, okay? We heard, like, Anusha, Sheba, sorry. She said that, right? The people were jealous of her and, and her husband, so they, they couldn't be friends, right? Because when you were jealous, you can't be friends, right? So this is what Solomon is saying. Envy is going to kill your communities. And what I'm going to say is that he's got it spot on. Right? Here's what he says. I saw that all toil and all skill and work came from a man's envy of his neighbor. So what is, what is Solomon saying? He's saying that every single thing that you do, every single thing, thing, uh, every single thing that you wear, right, comes because you want other people to see you doing it. So the, the clothes that you wore today, the shoes that you wear, I chose them because I want you to see it and say, Jimmy's a great guy, man. Did you see his shoes? He is, he is kicking, right? I bet you didn't think that, but that's what my brain says, right? If you always said, why the hell is he wearing red shoes? It's like Ted from How I Met Your Mother. Right? But everything we choose is we choose it because we want other people to see it, see us. Okay? And I, I've got to be honest, man, he's got it spot on. Right? This might be a brutal truth, but, but how many of you this morning came to church with iPhones in the back of your jeans? Yeah? Just, just hands up. Yeah? Yeah. It slowly grew out, right? Or Androids, or some kind of high-tech phone, right? 
Because iPhones and Androids and genes, they communicate the fact that we've got it, that we're hip, right? That we're with it, that, that we're someone that's cool. We're someone worthy, right? We're someone worthy. And, and just, just keep going down this line with me. Like, isn't that why we work out? Like, isn't that why we, we go to the gym? Right? We pump iron not because I want to get fit or, or because I want to put on like muscle. I, I, I do all those things so that um, come summer, when I take off my shirt, people are like, damn. Right? I want to get that two-syllable damn, right? Uh, that's what I want. I want other people to see me, not so that I can feel good about myself, but so that I can get that two-syllable damn. Okay? And he's correct. Keep going down that line. It's why so many of us are saddled with ridiculous mortgages from overpriced houses and large cars, right? That might be brutal, but it's true. Like me and Sarah, we rent a three-bedroom house. We've only got two, right? Why do we need a third bedroom? People have used it twice, right? But we want it so that when other people go, hey, you've got a really nice house. You must have made it. You must have made it. Like, do we really need two televisions? Do we really need all this stuff that we have? No, we don't, but we have it because Solomon thinks we want other people to see us. Envy will kill community. So, so how, right? Oh, envy. It, like, when I first thought about this, I was like, well, envy, isn't that what, like, like gossip girl? That's what gossip, people who are, like, exist in the gossip girl universe, uh, who exist in, like, the OC... Um, I was going to say Dawson's Creek, but like that was ages ago. Uh, like like neighbours, right? That's what they deal with. I don't have any envy in my heart. I don't care about anyone else. But let's be honest here for a moment. Have you ever felt bad because you saw someone else that you know succeed? Have you ever gone, why not me? Have you ever thought that? Yeah, I'm getting nodding heads. I thought it was like, I was going to be like, no, I haven't ever thought that. But I'm, I'm glad I've got some nodding heads. And, and it doesn't matter. Like, I don't really care if you're the world's best quilter, right? I'm not, I'm not um, filled with jealousy if you're a great quilter because that doesn't impact me at all, right? I'm, I'll, I'll be all behind you. But as soon as you start um, doing something that I like, I'm going to walk all over you. I'm going to walk all over you so that I can succeed. So that I can succeed. Uh, Ian, can we just have that, the question slide up? Is that all right? The, um, the text one? Yeah, just keep that up. Awesome. And so we start to ask these questions whenever we're filled with envy. So this is just a heart check. My, my youth pastor, when I was growing up, he used to say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Right? Has anyone ever heard that before? Just do a heart check this morning. Do a heart check. Do you ask any of these questions in your head? Do you say during your week, why not me? Why did they get the promotion? I'm much more talented than she is. Why, why aren't they talking to me? Why aren't I getting attention? Why not me? Why, why is that happening to them? They don't have the skills that I do. They don't have the resources. Why isn't it happening to me? And we start to ask these questions and what what it, what it shows us, shows us two things. It shows us that we've got a powerful drive 
to succeed on our own strength, right? Because we, we want to do all these things to prove who we are. And it also shows us that drive, it's absolutely backed up by fear. Because what, what we're really asking, um, what we're really asking when we're filled with envy, it isn't, why not me? Like, why, I, I've got resources, I've got skills. What we're really saying deep down is, if I don't get that promotion, if I'm not recognized, then I'm no one. If, if I'm not um, talked about, if I'm not revered, if I'm not discussed, if I don't have people surrounding me, then I have no identity. So every time um, we have these discussions, these thoughts, it kills our identity, right? And then we get defensive and we have these shallow communities. Fear is a powerful driver, okay? But, but envy is a pretty abstract term, right? When, when I think of envy, like I think of the color green, I think of like that little um, sick person on MSN emoticons, Right? That's what I think of, right? But it's fairly abstract. So what does it look like? What, is it, what does that look like practically in the day-to-day, everyday burden of life? Simon's got four suggestions. Just keep, keep doing these heart checks on yourself. So what does he say? He says, I'm just going to say it again. All toil and all skill in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. Jealousy. Jealousy will kill any chance you have of friendship. It will destroy your friendship from the inside out. It will make them rotten and make you bitter. Do, like, do you ever, like, like, I know you nodded your heads, but like, do you, do you ever feel like uh, insecure or bad about yourself when someone else succeeds? Like, do you ever do that? Right, can we just get a raise of hands that when so, you see someone else succeed and you, you feel uh, this, this backlash? Does anyone feel that? Yeah, a number of us, yeah? Good. The, the Germans actually have a word for it, um, the opposite of actually. It's called Schadenfreude. Does anyone, anyone speak German? Schadenfreude means taking joy out of other people's misery. It's a very German, isn't it? <laughs> right? Jealousy is just that, that when you don't succeed, I can be happy because that means my identity isn't threatened. And when you succeed, then I have to be jealous of you because you've got something that suddenly I don't have. You've got something that I need, something that I want. You're successful in a way that I'm not and I need it, right? And jealousy will always kill friendship because it's the opposite of true friendship. Because in in true friendship, what happens is that when you succeed, I'm happy for you. When you succeed, I'm happy. When you get that promotion, I'm happy for you. Um, And when something crap happens to you, I weep. I'm right there alongside you. That's true community. And jealousy is the opposite. Because when you succeed, I'm unhappy. And when you're unhappy, I'm happy. That's the opposite of friendship. Jealousy will always kill your friendships. I look at um, my best friend Tom, right? We've been riding. Um, so if, if you know me for, for more than like a week, you'll know I really love cycling, right? That's my thing. That's why I've got like, I've, it's, it's like winter and I've already got tan lines. Do you know what I mean? I love cycling. And last year my mate Tom started cycling with me. 
And I was always the best. Cycling is a thing that I really put a lot of identity on, right? It's something I take a lot of pride in. But, but Tom weighs 60 kilos and I do not. Like, I weigh like 87, right? So two weeks ago, we were climbing up King Lake, 700 meter mountain, something I put a lot of pride in, being the best, being faster than everyone else, being strong, and he beat me up by about 10 minutes. My heart rate was maxing out. My, I, I had no juice left in my legs. And I've got to be honest, I was jealous, right? I, I'm carrying almost 30 kilos more up the hill, but I was jealous that this little skinny guy smashed me up this mountain. And if I don't actually say that, it will eat the friendship between me and Tom because I can't ever be happy for him. I can't ever be happy for him because every time that he succeeds, I feel terrible about myself. So I've got to actually do something about that. Because here's the thing about jealousy. If you're jealous of other people, it will destroy your friendship because you're always wearing a mask. You're always pretending. Because when, when the other person succeeds and you go, man, I'm so grateful for you, you're lying. You're putting on a mask because deep inside you go, I wish that was me. And when you pretend and you put on masks, friendship has a level. The level of friendship that you have will always be capped. And you can't go above that. It will destroy true friendship if you're jealous. It's the first one. Second one. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. That sounds terrible. Um, but what, what Solomon's saying, what Solomon's saying is laziness. Jealousy will kill your friendships, but so will laziness. Does anyone have um, like one-way friendships? Like one-way relationships where you're always the person talking, you're always the person calling them, you're always the person catching up and like getting that organized. Does anyone else experience that? Joe, yeah, a few nods of the head, right? Is anyone else that person? Is anyone else the one that um, your mate always calls you? They always text you? They always organize to catch up with you? You, watch out, because one-way friendships are a one-way ticket to being alone for the rest of your life. Serious. We look at social media, the fact that I have 820 friends, but all it's done is taught me to be lazy in my friendships, because I know so much about you. I know when Richie and Cherish have a baby, right? I've seen the photos, but I haven't actually seen the baby in the flesh, Right, but I know everything that's going on. And I know that stuff's going on in, in other people's lives um, because I heard it all, right? I don't have to text you. I don't have to call you to find out how you're doing. I don't have to catch up for coffee in real life because I know it all and all it's done is teach me to be lazy. That's what we're finding. Like, there's, there's literally a link between spending more time on Facebook and feeling depressed and alone. Now, that might be because more depressed and alone people spend time on Facebook, right? But I think it's a fair bet that the more time you spend on these social media sites, the more depressed and alone you feel because you're replacing community with connection and it's not the same. It's not the same. Here's here's the thing. It's going to be brutal for a moment. Here's the thing about laziness, right? If you're a person who's engaging in these one-way relationships, if you're a lazy friend, watch out. Because here's the thing about lazy people, right? 
Lazy people are soul-sucking human beings who require others to feed them. And eventually your friends will get sick of feeding you and leave you alone. That's being brutally honest there. That's laying it all out there. There's no, no layers here. That's honesty, right? If you're lazy, you're sucking the soul out of someone else and they will leave you alone after a while. So watch out. The next verse. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after the wind. Jealousy will make your relationships bitter and will cap any friendship and laziness will leave you alone, but so will dissatisfaction with the way things are. Right, if you're someone who is always thinking about tomorrow, right, that um, I'll, I'll be happier, that I'll be a better friend when this happens, right? When I, when I get that job, when I get that girlfriend, when I, when I get this money, when I get um, this stage of life, then I can have more time to be a better friend. You will always be limited in how you can make community. Always. Right? Because you're never actually there. You're never present in the friendship. You're never actually there because if you're always looking for tomorrow, you'll never be in today. If you're always, like tomorrow is always there. Tomorrow is always coming. There will always be tomorrow. And this is the one that gets me the most, right? Because I am so forward focused. I am so goal oriented. But I run the risk of actually never being present in any one of my friendships. I've got to be aware. I've got to be aware. Because the thing about dissatisfied people, the thing about dissatisfied people is that they often blame others for their lack of progress. That if you were just a better friend, then I'd, I'd be a bit further down the road, right? We blame others for our lack of progress. We blame others for our dissatisfaction. Um, and we lash out, right? And that's a terrible friend. It's a terrible friend. So if you're always looking forward and you're never in the present, watch out. Because your community will always be shallow. Um, and, and we tend to think, we've got this mistaken identity that if things just work out this little bit better, then our life will be, will be awesome, right? That if I'm just famous, if I've got more money, whatever, I'll have better friends. I'll be more content. I'll be happier. My mate, um, Brenton Colleen, he's a really good guy. Um, he wrote a blog recently about going to a Kate Miller Heidke concert. He's a famous Australian artist. Um, I'm sure she's won an aria. She sells out concerts. And he was sitting there at a show and going, man, this must be the life. Right? There's this, 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 you're performing to thousands of people every single night. You must feel so loved, so connected. And she got up there and started introducing her songs. And she was talking about how freaking alone she feels. Someone who's won arias, who sells out concerts, and she's saying, I feel more alone than I ever have. There's her song, Nightfly. It says, if one more person looks through me, I might just disappear. You won't be a better friend if you get satisfied. You won't be. But the journey will destroy any friendships. Just, just to keep going down that, that dissatisfaction aisle, here's, here's just some quotes from some of the, mo- the, the most famous women in the world. So that was Kate Miller Heidke, right? What about Claire Dane? She was in Borderlands. She says, Fame doesn't end loneliness. 
What about Anne Hathaway? She's the cat woman, like the freaking cat woman, man. What does she say? My least favorite thing about life is loneliness. There's these famous, amazing, courageous, risk-taking people who have achieved everything and are saying, I'm still so alone. If you're dissatisfied now, right now, I'm telling you, satisfaction won't cure your friendship woes. It will just make them worse. And, and the last one, the last one, Solomon writes, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, no son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This is unhappy business. Jealousy will make all your relationships bitter. Laziness is a one-way ticket to being alone. Dissatisfaction will leave you lashing out and never satisfied. And the last one, and I'm just going to be, I'm just going to lay it out here, the one that most of you struggle with, that I see this every single day. The thing that's coming for you that's going to kill all your community, all your relationships, is work. Most of you are workaholics working long hours, and I get it, right? That's our culture. But here's what here's the thing: work is killing your community. Work is killing all of your relationships. The, um, the Wall Street Journal recently did a survey. Did a survey, right? Of the happiest people in America. Trying to work out who was happy. Who was actually with it, right? And um, they, they had this amazing result. The happiest people in the world... In, sorry, not in the world. I don't want to do that American thing of like having World Series where only America takes place. The happiest people in America are not those who work long hours and buy things. Because those things lack luster and they lose their shine and you'll always be looking for something more. That's what they, that, this is the Wall Street Journal. This is not me. This is not Ecclesiastes. This isn't the Bible. This is the Wall Street Journal, a major document, major publication saying, actually, if you work and buy things, you'll be unhappy. But here's, here's the major finding. The happiest people in America are those who use everything they had to increase their relational capacity. The happiest people in the world, keep doing that, in America, are not those who worked long hours and bought the newest car or the biggest house or the best um, technology or had the latest Xbox or anything like that. The people who are happiest were those who bought the crappy car who have no PlayStation, but spent everything they had hanging out with their friends. Everything they had, spending time with people, being in community. Right? Just, just notice something, something amazing happened. The Wall Street Journal just agreed with Scripture. Right? The world is agreeing with Scripture. It's saying, yes, who are the most unhappy? Those striving after the wind. It's coming for you. And let... Let me, just be, let me just be real with you for a moment. I'm just going to put this down and just be real. I've been involved in youth ministry for six to seven years now. I want to tell you about who I've never met. I've never met a young girl who hates her dad because he bought her a 1972 Datsun Maxima. Right? I've never met her. 
Like, she's never come in, like, we've never had coffee, and she's like, man, I hate my dad. Why? Well, he bought me a Datsun Maxima, and it backfires in my school zone, and all my friends think I'm terrible, so I hate my dad. Doesn't exist. Right? They don't even make Datsun Maximas anymore. That's how old they are, you know? Doesn't, that girl doesn't exist. But do you know who I have met? I've met far too many young girls with ten dollars to $20,000 cars who have no idea of their own value. So let's sit for a moment. I know too many young girls who have the latest fashion, who have beautiful designer jeans, but don't know that their beauty has nothing to do with their appearance. I know too many young girls who have the latest and greatest technology, but don't know that they're accepted and loved by their own family. Just, just being brutal here. And, and that, it's not limited to girls, right? I know so many young guys who are well on their way to becoming emotionally distant, stunted workaholics because the only way that they can get their dad's attention is by being the best at everything. Right? And so the way that you do that is that you put all this rage that your dad hasn't accepted you deep, deep down and you just work at being the best and at achieving and showing how great you are but it, it doesn't actually fix the problem. It just leads to brokenness. And I'm, I'm worried, man. And, and here's, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. I've met too many 27-year-old boys. And I use that term specifically, 27-year-old boys, because no one else has come alongside them and called to something more than enjoyment who has called them to responsibility, to cause them to actually have a legacy or something worthwhile that they're living for. And the, you know the saddest thing? Most of them are in the church, right? Um, like, I love you guys, and um, this, this church isn't filled with young adults, but my last one was, and I knew so many young adult boys, Peter Pans who were never growing up because no one had spent the time to come alongside them, Right? So watch out. Watch out. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm not alone in thinking that our, most of our relationships are pretty rubbish at the moment. Just, just to be honest with you, I moved to, to the West um, nine months ago. And I, f- I feel alone, man. I feel alone and a bit disconnected from everyone. Partly it's because I left all my family and friends to move out here with my wife. Partly it's because there's no one really my age here. Um, I'm 24. I don't think there is any, like, apart from Richie and Cherish, like, they're, they're my age, but, like, they just had a baby, man. They just had a baby. I feel disconnected and alone, and I'm sick of it. Just, just, just being honest. I'm sick of feeling alone. So what, what are we going to do with all this envy with all this lack of community, with this lack of friendship, with this lack of relationships. Um, what I want to do today, I'm not going to give you five tips to kill loneliness because they don't work, right? Five tip sermons don't work, but here's what I want to do. What I'm going to say is um, I think these are signposts that are leading down this road. I want to point down this road and it's not going to fix your community by Tuesday. It's not going to fix your community by next Thursday. But all I want to say is that 
if we keep walking down this road, if we keep calling ourselves to this bigger picture that's coming, one day we'll get there. One day we'll get to the community that we, we cherish and we want. Okay? When, the, when will that happen? Two years? Ten years? Don't know. I'll tell you in ten. But it's worth it. That's what I'm going to do. So, what do we do with this envy, with jealousy, with laziness, with dissatisfaction, with work, with this broken, shattered communities that we have? Well, envy requires two things, to kill it. Right? And we want to kill envy. Because if you, have, you want any chance of being in deep community with others, you need to kill envy. So what do we do to kill envy? Well, envy requires two things. It requires repentance and replacement. Okay? If you want to kill envy and start on the path to having deeper friendships, you need to kill your envy and you need to replace it with something bigger. So, so what does it mean to re- repent, right? Um, envy is like this weird thing that we don't want to repent of, um, where we don't want to talk about, that we don't want to confess, we don't want to even, like, even acknowledge that it exists, but we need to. Because right? if, if my mate Tom comes, I can't be happy to, for him until I actually say, hey Tom, I'm really jealous that you're a better writer than me. There'll always be this, this, this gap between us. So I need to confess that and say it out loud and ask him to say sorry. I mean, ask me. I'm going to ask him to forgive me, not him to say sorry. Right? My wife, um, she's had an amazing effort today. She came down from Queensland um, to be here this morning, but the reason she was in Queensland was because she was accepting an award for writing, right? And, and he, here's it, yeah. You can clap that. But, but here's the thing, right? I was an internationally published sports journalist by 16. I've had a blog with over 25,000 hits, right? Why not me? Why not me? I'm the one that people come to advice for writing. That's who I am, right? But if I don't actually confess that and say, well, actually, I am a little bit upset about this. I'm really sorry. Can you forgive me? There's always going to be this distance between us. And if I don't say to my mates, hey, bro, I'm really sorry that I'm so lazy and I don't text you back and I don't call you back and I don't catch up with you, then I'm going to kill our friendship. And, and if, if I don't, like, if I work too long, right? Like the last six months, I was working six to six and a half days, right? I was at church two and a half days, which really stretches on to three, three and a half. I was at uni two days plus study, six, six and a half. If I actually go, well, actually, this is a real problem. I've got an issue here and I need to kill it. If I don't talk about that, then it's always going to be a problem. It's always going to be a problem. And, and here's, here's the thing, right? I want this to be a church where truth reigns and honesty rules. So... I don't want us to be a church where we nod our heads and we say the right things and we never actually in deep community with each other. So what I'm going to do right now is I want you to grab a person you feel comfortable with. right? Someone that you feel you can be honest with. Someone that you can um, just be real with. okay? And I want you to, to discuss this. right? Who are you envious of and why? Who are you envious of and why are you envious of them? We're going to have it up on the screen, and if you can just go to the next slide. We're going to take three minutes, maybe four, maybe five. If you need to change where you are, if you need to find someone that you feel more comfortable talking to, we won't, we won't um, feel weird about that, right? We won't feel weird. Grab someone and talk about it. Let's be real with each other. Go.
All right. Does anyone actually feel comfortable enough just, just saying out, out loud what they were talking about, who they're envious of? Does anyone just shout it out? Anyone? It's okay. It's okay. You don't need to confess it in front of everyone. But here's, here's the thing. You need to go to the person you're envious of and ask forgiveness. Because until you do, there'll always be a barrier between you, right? You need to repent. You need to ask forgiveness. You need to confess, right? Do that. But here's, here's the second thing. You need to replace your envy with something else. Because otherwise, envy is powerful. It's what drives us a lot of the time. So if you don't replace it with something bigger, something better, it's going to come back and it's going to smash you, right? Just get the, the text question up. Sick. Um, you need to replace your envy with something else, something bigger, something better. And here's the thing. This is what Solomon does. Here's what he says. Two is better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand. A threefold cord is not easily broken. All Solomon is saying is, envy is destroying our relationships, but community, living together, is so much better. So I'm going to keep that on my mind. Whenever I'm envious of someone else, I'm going to go, well, I'm going to confess because community is so much better. That picture in my head of um, getting alongside one another, of being honest, of being real, of being vulnerable, of talking, having these communications, having these deep relationships in a shallow word, that is so much better than being filled with envy, being filled with dissatisfaction and jealousy, laziness, and being workaholics. That is so much better. We've been called to something so much more. So much more. So, so how do we get there? Like I said, I don't want to offer five tips. <laughs> I don't want to offer five tips to, to rid envy in your life. And I don't want to offer five um, ways to build community. Right? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build signposts and just say, if you start doing some of these things, one day, community will emerge. It won't be next Tuesday. It won't be next Thursday. It might be two years. It might be ten years. But this is what I've experienced. Is that When you start walking down this road of building community, of being honest with each other, one day you'll get there. One day you'll get there. So I've, I've separated this into three, three um, areas. Marriage, families, and community, our friends. He's going to talk about ways to start walking down that road, okay? Um, so I'll start with marriage first. Most of us, um, this, is, this is a really married church. Most of us are young families. We've got um, lots of husbands and wives, right? And it feels weird doing this because most of you are older than me. Um, I'm just going to pass on some stuff that um, I've been told, I've been taught. I've only been married nine months, but this is stuff that people have told me for tw- like 20 years. They've been married. <laughs> Um, marriage is tough. Right? So people told me before I got married, they're like, man, the first year is the toughest. Whatever. Marriage is tough, full stop, right? I love Sarah. She's awesome. She's my best friend. I love waking up next to her. 
But you know, it's tough living with one person um, for the rest of your life, right? Waking up next to them. Um, we, we have arguments. Like, I like Xbox a lot more than she does. I put celery in salad. She does not. Um, I leave glass and plates out. And she hates that, right? We have arguments. But how do you safeguard and build community in your marriage for the long term? How do you start walking down that road? Um, I was once told three things. Three things strike every single marriage that starts to break down. <laughs> they stop having sex. They stop praying for each other and they don't like each other anymore. Right? Let's talk about sex. Right? I've got a big smile on my face and you guys are like, crap, sex. Yeah, all the guys should be like writing this stuff down, right? Have more sex. Like, like really, if you're married, the, the, there's been this great untruth. It's not a lie, but it's a great untruth that, that sex is about procreation, about making babies, about doing all this kind of stuff. Sex is about oneness, right? When you have sex, you actually become closer together. You become more together. You build community. Yes, Sammy, I see your raised eyebrows. I see that, man. It's true. I know it's awkward because your dad and mum are like right next to you. Um, but it's true, man. If you want harmony in your house, say, mum and dad, you should just get a room. Seriously, so I was, I was having this conversation with a guy once, um, with, with a guy once, and he was like, man, because like, he knew that I was waiting for marriage to have sex, right? So I waited until I was married to have sex. And he was like, what the hell can the Bible tell me about sex? There's a book written 20, 30, 20, I don't know, 2,000 years ago, right? This is what he was saying to me. He didn't know. Um, and he was like, what the hell can this tell me about sex? And so I opened it up. Open it up and I, you know, open up um, you know, a little bit of Proverbs. This is Proverbs 5, um, verse 18 and 19. It says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. And so that got his interest, right? And so I keep going. Songs of Solomon. Songs of Solomon. How beautiful is your love, my bride. How much better is your love than wine. And the fragrance of your oils and any spice. Your lips drip nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. And he turned to me and like, are you kidding me? The Bible's got porn and you've been hiding this from me the whole time. And the cool thing was that I got to turn to him and go, hey man, it's not porn. It's so much better than that because it's real. Sex in marriage is so much better than porn because it's real. Right? So here's, here's my challenge. If you're married, go home and have sex. Like, like really. Like go home, pretend it's like your wedding night, but um, you know, as, as I've discovered, you get much better. So like now that you've been married a long time, right? Just go have fun. Right? If you need to, someone to take your kids, go buy them a football. Right? Whatever. Go home, have sex, because you'll be closer and you'll safeguard your marriage. Seriously, couples that have sex two to three times a week, more, four, five, six, if like, I don't know, you probably need like carbo-loading, right? Anything like that. They, they survive and they thrive, okay? So wives, start making pasta, because your husband's going to need some more strength, Right? 
right? Seriously, if you want to safeguard your marriage, have more sex. I'm going to, I'm going to move on from that. <coughs> Second one, pray for each other. Yeah, all the guys are like, yeah. Um, pray for each other, right? Prayer is the second most intimate thing you can actually do as a couple. Because I know, I know there are heaps of times that I, you know, I've been upset with Sarah or um, angry at something that she said, and you know, I, I've prayed for her, and I'm like, dear God, can you just make her um, say sorry, please? Um, can, can she just um, ask my forgiveness? And what's happened is that I've actually, in my heart, my heart is like being convicted, and I've ended up saying sorry. Prayer is the most intimate thing that you can do as a couple. Couples that pray for each other, Stop fighting. Might not happen right then, but something like God will work. Prayer is is powerful because God works, right? Prayer is the second most intimate thing you can do as a couple. So keep praying for each other all the time. Third thing, do things that like each other. Do things that help you like each other. And here's here's the, the, the terrible thing about work and family and um, all this kind of stuff that you don't often have time to actually get out and enjoy each other's company. Like, like um, married couples who have been married maybe more than five years who aren't like 24 and don't have kids, right? When was the last time you had a date? Just, just, just honest. Gina, when was the last time you went out on a date, man? Yeah, that's pretty good. Anyone longer than a month? Richie, did you raise your hands? doesn't count when your wife has a baby. <laughs> right? Do things that help you like each other because what happens is that you get caught up in the busyness of life, you get caught up in work, you, you do this stuff and you get lazy and it will break down your relationship with your wife or your husband. Go on dates. Rent a room in the city, right? You can combine point one and point three, Right? Have fun with each other, right? Because married couples that are happy together, they, it, it's so much better for their families. It's so much better. So, so go and do things that help you. Like, go bowling. Does anyone go bowling anymore? Probably, probably not. Um, go do stuff that you enjoy together. Because the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. And if you don't water it, grass dies. So be, be always building a relationship and community with your wife. Be, keep doing that, right? Second one, family. Now, I love families. I love them so much. Um, I can't wait to have, you know, my own family. Um, you know, like little Jimmy's, little Sarah's, like that kind of thing, you know? I can't wait until that, right? Um, but I'm also really concerned about our families. And I love our mums and dads, right? I love them so much. But I'm concerned that families are increasingly becoming more broken, more set apart, more distant than ever before. And the thing is, I get, I get both sides of the story. I get uh, mums and dads coming to talk to me and saying, my, my relationship with my son is broken, my relationship with my daughter, we, we keep fighting all the time. And then I, I talk to um, you know, the son or the daughter and they say, well, my dad's just a jerk. My dad's a tool. He says all these things. Um. So how do, we, how do we move past that? How do we start rebuilding or building a better community in our families? I think the first thing is to make it a priority. Right? Make it a priority. Come home at night and make it a priority to spend time with your kids. Don't look at, don't look at the TV. Look, 
I, f- I love football. I love Richmond. I'm very disappointed about last week's final, right? But if it came between a choice between my wife and Richmond, Richmond always loses. It's not even, it doesn't even make, make my top 50, right? Actually do things that are your priority. So if your family's your priority, if it's not, we, ha- we need to have words. But if family's your priority, spend time with them. Go out and do stuff. Take your son or your daughter out and kick the football. Um, maybe not your daughter. I don't know if they, they like that thing. I always feel weird about saying that because I'm like, I don't want to be sexist because um, you know, girls can kick footballs. Sarah's great. Well done, babe. Um, but, you know, sometimes I don't. Um, anyway, go and do stuff that you enjoy together with your, with your daughter or do stuff they enjoy. Like, has, did, did anyone on Facebook and saw, like, dads going to One Direction concerts? Like, that is like the saddest thing I've ever seen. Dads are sitting there and just like, right? Builds community. Builds community. It builds relationships. Because suddenly they see, well, actually, my dad isn't just the guy who comes home and is angry about homework. He actually cares about things that I care about. And it doesn't matter that it's one direction. It could be like any of the other ones. Like, I almost said Justin Bieber, but he's not cool anymore. Ruth and Rebecca, who's the cool ones now? What was that? One Direction, yeah. So I did, I did get it right. Awesome. Um, man, this guy's keen. Hey, bro. Um, do things that help you build community. Take them out for, for lunch. This is the, the simplest thing that most families don't do. Have dinner around a table with chairs and a meal and talk. Right? Talk. I, it was one of the things that my family always did. Um, we always, whatever happened, we put away our phones, we put away the television, we put away whatever's going on, we'd sit down, we'd have a meal together, and we'd just talk. How was your day? What did you get up to? How are you feeling? All that kind of stuff. Um, mums and dads, tell your sons and daughters that you love them, like all the time. We live in a world <clears throat> where our identities are threatened more than ever, and our young people need to be told that they're loved and accepted and it has nothing to do with how they perform, nothing to do with how they look, nothing to do with um, even who they are. They're just loved and accepted because they're part of this community. So tell them every day, even if it becomes a cliche, just keep saying, I love you. Keep saying, I see your hard work. Keep saying, I really appreciate you. Keep saying, you belong to this family and we're so proud of you. All the time. Keep saying it. And I also want to say something to those who are under 18. So I'm talking Ruth, Rebecca, and Sammy, and Caitlin, um, Maddie, uh, Jordan, right? Give your parents a break. Give your parents a break. Because I get it, right? Um, they're, they're weird. Parents are weird. I can say that because I love them, right? My dad used to try and say words like rad and lol and um, ruffle, right? No, right? They're weird. They don't get it. But they want to be part of it. They want to be part of what you're doing. And, you know, we get that you want space. Like, they get that, right? But give them a break. They work nine to five to provide stuff for you. And I know that that stuff isn't enough, that you want a relationship. But just give them a break. Next time that... Um, your dad comes home and he's angry because, I don't know, you haven't done homework or something silly like that, right? Just go, okay, I'm not going to be angry at you, dad. I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to give you grace. 
I'm going to give you a second chance. Because the thing that I, I've only realized this now that I'm 24, right? My dad and I, we're, we're emotionally distant. My dad, um, he, he grew up, like, my dad's not a tough guy. Like, my mum taught me how to kick a football, you know what I mean, right? My dad's not a tough guy, but he grew up in the atmosphere of, like, if you're a man, you don't talk about your feelings, you don't say how you're going, you don't be real with anyone, and the, the result is that there's always this distance between us, okay? But the th- this is the thing I realized. My dad worked nine to five every single day for um, years so that I could go to high school, and then on Saturday mornings, he would get, wake up at 5.30 a.m. and take me to hockey without fail. Now, my dad said weird things and quoted movies that I hated and... Um, was this distant guy. But it's only now that I go, well, actually, he really wanted in. He really does care about me because even though he can't say the words I love you or he can't speak um, like emotionally loving language sometimes, with his actions, he was all there. My dad turned up at every major event in my life. Everything. He was at my hockey grand finals. He was at, um, I don't know, other things that I did. Um, like he's always been there for me. When I needed help with homework, there. When I needed help um, because I've got this situation going on or I need money or whatever, first one to come call. Always there. He can't say the words that I need to hear. I can't deal with this emotional distance, but I know that he's there. So next time that something comes up and you get frustrated because your dads and mums don't understand and you feel distant and it's weird, say to yourself, I'm going to give my dad a break. I'm going to give my mum a break. I'm going to let them have a second chance because I know that they're trying. And it would infuriate me that my dad tried because he failed, right? He failed to be the dad that I wanted, but he was the best dad that he could be. And my dad is freaking awesome. I'll tell that to anyone. He's not the dad that I wanted, but he was the best dad that he could be. And I'll always be grateful for that. The, the last, last one I want to talk about is community. How do, we, how do we build friendship and community? Like with people who we aren't married to and who um, aren't our sons and daughters. So I just have three quick things. Find people who are on the same mission as you. Right? I talked about, like, I don't care if you're the world's best quilter. Right? If you're the world's best quilter, it's going to be very hard for us to hang out because I just don't like quilting. I just, I just don't like it, right? I've got... Um, ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. You might notice that I walk around on the stage like a lot. It's because I can't sit still. Um, so during church, I'll fiddle, um, whatever, right? I need to be always moving. So when, when I look around at my friends, what are they doing? They're always moving. They're always doing stuff. We hang out and we do stuff, right? So I find people who are similar to me and I just go all in. Just go all in, right? So if, you, if you're around people um, who, who are radically different to you and you struggle to get along, we'll maybe say, well, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's okay. I'm going to find friends. I'm going to find people who are on the same mission as me, find, find people on the same pathway as me and just get alongside them. Right? Second thing, the three most powerful words that you can ever say to someone else that will shatter envy, it will shatter dissatisfaction and loneliness, I need help. I need help. As soon as you say those words, you let people in, you become vulnerable, um, you, you break this distance between you. As soon as you say that, 
Like, it just invites friendship. So, like, part of the problem is, as a guy, I don't feel very vulnerable. Uh, no, I don't like feeling vulnerable, right? So I don't really discuss my feelings. I don't really say how I'm going. Um, I, like, I'm fine is, like, the standard. And if I'm really bad, I'm tired. Like, that's like I'm, I'm depressed and, like, really on the edge. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling a bit tired, right? I need help. I remember my best mate now came to me last year, and we were, we were good friends, but we weren't great friends. And he came to me and said, I need help. I've got this thing that I'm dealing with and I don't know what to do. And suddenly I was in. I was in this community with him. I was in friendship with him because he let me in. And if you always leave the barriers open, you'll always be distant. You'll never have community. You'll never have this deep friendship until you say, I need help. And you can say it to anyone, right? But if you want to let people in, I need help. Like, is anyone else, like, I'm just... I'm just imagining that you've all gone to camps or something like that. You've had late night D&Ms. Do you know what D&Ms mean? Deep and meaningfuls? Right? And suddenly like this person that before you couldn't talk to them and you couldn't stand them but you open up to them and suddenly you're best friends because I need help is so powerful. It brings people in. Um, the last one. This is just, just adding on, on what Sheba said. Like... There's been psychological tests to, to actually figure out how many people we can actually kind of fit in our heads. So um, it's called Dunbar's Rule. Okay? So uh, I'm not, not specific. I think it's 195. Some other psychologists have, have worked out that it could be up to 290. But in our heads at any one time, 195 people exist in our conscious, right? So if I really think hard about it, 195. 15, I can know most of what's going on in 15 people's lives at any one time. That's kind of the rule. Any more than that, and I start to lose track. And five, five people, that's who we know everything that's going on. That's kind of our maximum. That's kind of what we look for. Okay? So if you're looking for friends, join a growth group. Get on board with that. Um, Come see me afterwards or Ali. Ali, can you just wave your hand? Yeah? Get on board with a growth group because that's, that's five people that you can be honest with. That you can say, I need help with, like Sheba was talking about. You can build community. If you're lacking, like, that's a great way to build community. That's not open to all of us. Not all of us can go to growth groups, but it's fantastic. Like, I love our growth group so much. And the fact that it's a safe place where I can go, I need help, um, that there are people on the same mission that, that I am, it's great. It's fantastic. And do you, know, do you know the worst thing about being a preacher? The worst thing about being a preacher or a pastor is um, experiencing all these things, experiencing all these changes, experiencing how good being a community is and talking about it, and seeing you nod your heads, and seeing um, people agree and come up after the service and say, what a great sermon, and I really got something out of it. And the worst thing about being a pastor and a preacher is knowing that most of you will do absolutely nothing. Just being honest with you, that's the worst thing about being a pastor. right? But if you are sick of shallow community, if you're sick of broken friendships, of being more connected than you are in community... If you're sick of that, if you want to say, I'm fed up and I want more, I want that bigger picture, I want that community, start walking down that road. 
Start walking down that road. Because I promise you, community is better than loneliness. Always. Love always is better than loneliness. So if you want to start walking down that road, start tomorrow. Call up someone and say, I need help. Make your kids a priority. Give your dad a break. Have more sex with your wife. Actually, that's probably the exception to the rule. The one thing I know that you're probably going to go home and do, you know, yeah, sex, right? I expect 17 text messages tomorrow morning saying, thank you so much, Jimmy. Right? If I don't get that, I'm going to be upset. Start walking down that road because it'll make a difference. Community is bigger and better than loneliness. I'm just going to have David come up and pray for us. And then afterwards, we're going to have a bit of question and answer. So, one, two, three. So I hope that you have been uh, texting to Jimmy some of your questions that have arisen out of his uh, sermon. So I'm just going to give him a few minutes to get across those and, um, and then he can come back and reply to some of them directly. We've got a couple of questions. I had to cut them down to four. We had about um, 10 to 12 questions come in. So um, I'm just going to sit here. These are some of the questions that have been passed on. I feel that without work I will fly out of control. How do I let go of work? Um, what, what I'm suggesting, you don't need to, right? You don't need to let go of work. I'm not saying like don't work, like become a hippie in like a commune somewhere or become like a nun or something. Like that, don't, don't hear that, right? All I'm saying is that, that work is going to threaten your community, so watch out. If you start coming home at 7 instead of 4.30 and you can't be with your family because of it, it's going to kill your community. If you can't um, see your friends because you're working every single weekend, it's going to, it's going to threaten your community. If you, if you can't do that. So, so what, what I'm saying is don't let go of work. Work is good. We're created for work. That's, that's biblical, right? We should enjoy our work. We should enjoy what we do, but don't be, can't let it become everything. Community is better. So when you do work, work so that you can have freedom to hang out. Um, the, the only thing I will say, if you're, if you're a mum or a dad and you work so often that you don't, you're not able to either have breakfast or um, dinner with your kids, like that's, that's serious. Like find some way of having a meal with your kids every single day. Okay? Second question, are you asking me to be vulnerable with my mates Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that was probably a guy that sent that in, right? Because like girls have no problem being vulnerable. Is that like I'm just I'm just um <clears throat> assuming that? Um Yes I am. And it's weird and it's hard, but it's better. Okay? And like I, I get it, right? I want to be the alpha male, the dominant guy in the room. That's interesting. Oh, interesting. I get it, right? I want to be the big guy in the room, but sometimes being the big guy means saying, I'm not okay. I'm struggling with this, right? For guys, it's really difficult to say that. I'm not saying be vulnerable with every single person that you meet. Don't come up, like, don't come up to me if you're like, I've never met you, and be like, hey, Jimmy, all this stuff's happening. I need to be vulnerable with you, right? Probably, probably say, hello, my name is um, John, um, <clears throat> right? Like, introduce yourself first, 
but with your mates who you actually walk with, who you play ball with, who you go to the football with. Be real with them. If something's going terrible, right, be honest. Just say, hey, my marriage sucks at the moment. I'm not really enjoying work. I've got this situation with my friend. Let me be real with you. Um, So I'm asking you to be vulnerable? Yes. I think the Bible says that being vulnerable is better. It's going to lead to a better road, right? Um, Third question, how can we confess well? Do I have to tell the person directly? Um, I probably wasn't clear enough on this. You don't always need to tell the person directly that you're confessing to, right? So... um, for instance, I knew this young guy um, who was um, you know, really into this, this girl and was like, having all these sexual dreams about her. I'm really sorry that the kids are in this room. I'm like, oh, things about... Anyway, so he came to her and he told her, he's like, I'm having all these dreams about you. I'm thinking about you all the time. And it was actually really damaging for her. Okay? You don't always need to tell the person that you're envious of, but you sure as hell need to first, A, tell God and have someone holding you accountable. Now, if it's small, like I can go to my mate Tom and say, hey, I'm really envious of you that you can climb up this mountain faster than I can. That's okay. I can go to my wife and say, hey, I, I wish I was up for an award, right? That's okay. Have someone holding you accountable, though, for the bigger stuff, if it's going to be damaging to them. If you, if you would have heard it and it would damage you, first go to God and hold, have someone else holding you accountable. Um, last one. pretty brutal, isn't it? I've been coming to church for a long time now, but did not feel connected. Is there something wrong with me? Um, I, I get it, right? I've been coming to this church for nine months now. Um, sometimes I feel connected, sometimes I feel disconnected. A lot of the people here are older than me, um, and I don't really have many friends my age, right? And churches can be very clicky, like there's, there's these big groups, right? And that's, that's cool. But sometimes you walk into a church and you feel, oh, I need this. I need to find out this secret handshake, right? That if I finally have this secret handshake or this like high five or I do all the things in this specific order, then I'll be in and everyone will love me. Um, we don't have a handshake. If if you want to make one up, um, you can email it to me, right? Um, first things first. Can I just say, if this is you, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that you've come to our church and you don't feel connected. Um, like just. Just being real, I'm really sorry. Um, one of the things that you can do, stick around after the service and say hi. Say hi if, if, you're, if you're new. Um, if, if you have been coming for maybe five months, a year, two years, three years, five years and don't feel connected, join a growth group. Get, on, get alongside each other. Like... Be real with each other. Find someone that you can say, I need help with. And I have to say sorry that like, it's not the church coming to you because I wish it was, but that's not the case with so many of us, right? Um, and, and lastly, like, just, just try and involve people in your life if you want to get connected. So when I play basketball, I'm not playing on my own. I call up Dev and say, hey, bro, let's play ball. When I go to the movies... Um, I'm not saying, hey, I'm going on my own. Call up someone from the church. Just include them in what you do. Have them over for dinner. Do something like that. Right? That's, that's just some simple ways. If, if you, you are any of those people who ask questions and want, want to go deeper, and want some deeper kind of understanding, come find me after the service. I'm not very hard to miss. Um, but yeah.
We're going to have some worship now, just to end. Yeah? Yeah. Um, thank you for, for paying attention for so long. It's, it's really cool to be in a church where people pay attention for so long. It was probably because I talked about sex for a little bit, um, but like, it was cool, okay? Um, we're going to worship the God who always is in community with us. You've been listening to the Anglican Church Caroline Springs podcast. For more information, go to taccs.org.au.